This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. There isn't much doubt that we are right now in a time of more tension here in the U.S. than ever before between the White House and the media and the media and the public and different groups of people within the public. It seems like the last few years have ramped up this tension. There is also the impact that the recession had in dividing the country economically. Many of these issues are tackled in a new book called Exceptional America, What Divides Americans from the World and from Each Other. The book was written by Mugambi Jouet, who teaches at Stanford Law School. And Mugambi joins us on the show right now. Welcome, sir. Great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it, it is interesting in reading and going through the book, and when you think about this question in general, that this feels like there are so many, not only questions, but there's a variety of answers to this as well, also. Yes, what's in- intriguing is that uh, American society is extraordinarily polarized today by both uh, U.S. Uh, historical standards and international standards, uh, leaving aside uh, a few other periods, uh, like the Civil War, for example. Uh, there are not many uh, phases of American history where we see such a, a big clash over fundamental issues. And Americans are routinely clashing over matters that actually are either not controversial or much less controversial elsewhere in the modern Western world, such as whether people should have a basic right to health care, whether special interests should be allowed to spend unlimited money on elections uh, and on lobbying, uh, whether climate change is a hoax, uh, a myth, or a scientific reality. The list goes on and on from abortion to contraception, yeah. gay rights, uh, gun control, the theory of evolution, the death penalty, mass incarceration, even torture. It, it, what's interesting in reading up on you and and some of the writings about the book, uh, you uh, grew up in Paris. So to a degree, you take a, a look at this as an eye outside the United States. Obviously, you've been here for, for quite some time. Uh, and, and this really, this topic has been an interest for you for a while now. Yes. Uh, unlike Barack Obama, I was actually born in Kenya. My father is Kenyan, and my mother is French, and after growing up in Paris, I moved to the U.S. for college. And one thing uh, that struck me uh, living in the U.S. was not only the the major uh, divide between America as a whole and France or other Western nations, but the huge contrast within uh, the United States. And that may sound obvious at first. Of course, there's a longstanding regional divide uh, in America uh, going back all the way to the Civil War, But what's striking is that the magnitude of the regional divide uh, in the U.S. is striking uh, by international standards. And I saw that uh, living in both uh, blue states like New York and Illinois and red states uh, like Texas. And people are clashing over issues that are, again, uh, atypical. But what we see, uh, if we look uh, more closely, is that uh, liberal Americans are usually much closer to other Westerners than they are to conservative Americans when it comes to big-picture issues like health care, 
climate change or abortion. Yeah. So, I mean, what we're seeing here in the United States right now, especially surrounding the the political process, uh, you know, this is this is an almost daily battle that's going on between the two sides right now. It's it's not the same in a variety of other countries around the world. I mean, we see it pop up. I mean, obviously, we we have seen it pop up in the UK. Uh, Germany gets it a little bit right now. To a degree, there was Greece because of the economic issues right there. It, here in the U.S., we're living with this 24-7, 365. Yes, there are far uh, fewer sources and forces of polarization in modern uh, Western Europe. The two main forces uh, of polarization there are one uh, anti-immigrant uh, sentiment, uh, including relating to Islam, and also resentment uh, towards the European Union. But the two are intertwined uh, because the European Union is accused of opening up borders and uh, enabling uh, immigration and undermining national sovereignty. And we see some of the same things in the U.S. with uh, the rise of Donald Trump's uh, anti-immigrant populist movement and clashes over, say, uh, whether Muslims should be barred from entering America. But if we, again, if we look more closely, we see that there's a much broader range of issues that are very divisive in America. Yeah. And healthcare is a perfect example because it's been uh, such a, a major uh, source of divide uh, uh, during the Obama presidency and now, as we speak, because of uh, attempts to repeal the Affordable Care Act. But uh, in uh, modern Europe, in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, other industrialized nations like Japan, universal health care is supported by both liberals and conservatives. We're joined by Mugambi Joué, who is the uh, author of the book Exceptional America. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm going to go through some of these these different examples that you have in the book. And, and one, which obviously is a, is a big one here in the United States right now, uh, surrounds religion, around faith, uh, and uh, the the variety of elements and, and, and angles, I guess, is a way to say it, of the Christian religion right now here in the United States, it, it plays in healthcare on a variety of different elements. It plays economically. I mean, it is it is truly something that that has so many different pieces to it, and in many cases, so many fights because of it. Yes, uh, what's interesting is that uh, American society has long been divided by different conceptions of Christianity. The conventional wisdom is that today America is mainly divided uh, between non-believers and believers. And it's true that non-believers have risen uh, in number in recent years, but there's still a quite small proportion of uh, Americans. Uh, The main divide today and historically has been among Christians, especially between uh, Christian fundamentalists who have resisted modernity and, and uh, focused on interpreting the Bible literally, and liberal or moderate Christians who have uh, embraced modernity and taken uh, much more uh, moderate positions. But the role of religion is not only limited to uh, standard culture war issues like the theory of evolution or contraception, abortion, and gay rights. It also extends beyond that, because uh, if we look closely, we see that many of the people who tend to be Christian fundamentalists are also market fundamentalists, uh, the term that uh, Joseph Stiglitz, the uh, Nobel Prize uh, in economics winner, used to describe people 
who are uh, convinced that uh, big government uh, taxes and regulation are essentially at the root, root of all economic problems. And that's because uh, there's a syncretism between uh, Christian fundamentalism and market fundamentalism in that both stress ideological purity. And Christian fundamentalists think it is immoral to depend on, quote-unquote, big government uh, for health care or other issues. So uh, what you're saying, if it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that be, even with the differences that we have here in the United States surrounding the, the, the Christian religion, uh, it, to a degree they are enhanced and, and grow even farther uh, because of the political problems that we have within the Christian, you know, obviously one group of, uh, of Christian followers will believe one thing politically and another group will, will believe another thing politically. Yes. So um, there are uh, many uh, Christians, for example, who, who advocate universal health care and tolerance uh, towards uh, LGBTQ people and others who interpret Christianity uh, very differently. And uh, that's why religion uh, has long been uh, a source of polarization in American society. Is it, is, it the, is it the biggest source, though, in your mind? No, there's not uh, one uh, source that explains everything. Right. We have to look at a broad range of factors. In my book, the four main uh, factors in this nexus of polarization are fervent Christian fundamentalism, profound anti-intellectualism, a visceral suspicion of government, and racial resentment. And put together, they create a very hardline, anti-rational ideology that is hostile to compromise. And they help explain what political scientists have called asymmetric polarization, which is that in the last 30 years or so, the Republican Party has moved far more to the right then the Democratic Party has moved to the left yeah. and moved toward a, a peculiar conception of conservatism by both U.S. historical standards and international standards. I want to get into that, one of those elements that you just talked about a second ago, that suspicion of government. And, and, and seemingly, I don't think there are many Americans out there uh, that would disagree that the potential for a suspicion of government is there. And, and obviously we've seen... You know, if you go back, at least for people I think that are listening to this show, uh, you go back to the to the Nixon water tape, uh, Watergate tapes days, uh, that there is a healthy suspicion of the government and what's being done and uh, all the lobbying that's going on and, and politicians not truly being there for the people they're supporting or I should say representing. Uh, they're there more for themselves as a byproduct. There is indeed a healthy skepticism of government in America or any other democracy. But for that skepticism to be healthy, it has to be based on facts. And what we see in the evolution of the American political and legal and social discourse is the normalization of conspiracy theories about the evils of the federal government, right. such as Sarah Palin's claim about death panels right. or the claims about Obamacare destroying the American economy. And it's in that context that it shapes a visceral gut reaction about how the federal government's role in the economy is always negative. And it leads a lot of people 
to vote against their self-economic interests, such as by opposing financial regulation after the 2008 major financial crisis, or by opposing efforts to improve access to health care as we speak. If if we were looking at, and this may be a hard question to answer, but I will throw it out there nonetheless, if we were able to kind of eliminate a lot of these divisions, similar to what other countries you know, have been able to do to a degree. And with the uh, with the economic components that we have in this country uh, as they are right now, it, it would be it would be fairly easy to say, thinking forward, that we could be in a much better situation. The United States as a country economically, if we were able to just solve some of these divisions that we have in our country right now. Highly polarized uh, American society is uh, not in its own interest, nor in the interest of the world. And definitely there would be uh, greater uh, economic prosperity, arguably, if there were less uh, gridlock uh, in Washington and among the general public. And it's worth noting that uh, there were periods of American history when there was greater consensus over economic issues. Uh, especially during uh, the New Deal era, uh, Franklin Roosevelt's program and big picture ideas about how the government had the responsibility to provide for the basic uh, economic well-being of the American people mm-hmm. and to reduce uh, wealth inequality uh, came to be embraced by many Republicans, uh, including uh, Dwight Eisenhower. Actually, the top uh, income tax rate uh, under Eisenhower was approximately 90 percent. Uh, yet, <laughs> under Obama, it was uh, 35% in his first term, uh, 39% in his second term, and Obama was accused of raising taxes towards all-time highs. And that speaks to the unhealthy uh, skepticism of government, this, uh, these conspiracy theories about uh, uh, the oppression from, um, from Washington. There's, there's also the element of, of what our uh, judicial system is, uh, specifically more the, the, the levels of people that are incarcerated in this country, the death penalty as well. How does that play in in your mind? It's important to understand that today America does not only have mass incarceration on a scale unprecedented in American history, but also practically unprecedented in the history of humankind. The U.S. has uh, over uh, 2 million uh, prisoners. Uh, We have seen in the last 30 years the normalization of draconian punishments. And America is also uh, the only uh, Western democracy uh, to still have the death penalty. Now, mass incarceration, uh, it's easier to speak of the U.S. uh, as a whole because even though incarceration rates vary by states, uh, the system is extraordinarily punitive uh, uh, nationwide. On the death penalty, it's more complex because it's primarily a southern phenomenon. And even within the south, only a few counties are primarily responsible for the death penalty. But these are aspects of a very harsh uh, penal system by international standards. How, in, in the scope of what you are writing about, how, how big of an issue is racism here in the United States in 2017? Race is a, a big part of the equation. It's not the only factor when it comes to criminal justice or uh, other aspects of society. But uh, 
it factors into a lot of the divisions, uh, a lot of these uh, matters, because of another major dimension of American exceptionalism historically, which is that America has long been the Western nation with by far the highest proportion of racial and ethnic minorities. As a result, uh, these uh, racial divisions have played a bigger role in American society than in, say, European nations. Uh, there were a few people of color in Western Europe until the surge of immigration from former colonies in the post-World War II era. Right. But we see that many chapters of American history, such as the Civil War or the Civil Rights Movement, were shaped uh, by racial animus. And here in the U.S. today, we see that uh, that played a role in the hostility towards uh, Barack Obama's presidency, the rise of conspiracy theories about how he was not really American because he had yeah. a forced U.S. birth certificate yeah. and how he was a covert Muslim. Well, it, it, then, as well, part of this is also uh, just a better understanding in terms of what America is right now in terms of, of Donald Trump being elected as president of the United States, correct? Yes because Donald Trump uh, promoted uh, these conspiracy theories about Obama's forged uh, birth certificate, and he also insinuated that uh, Obama uh, was uh, potentially a covert Muslim with jihadi sympathies. And that related to two of the main themes uh, of his presidential campaign, not only the uh, call to ban Muslims from entering America, but also uh, his targeting of undocumented immigrants. Because if Obama were to have a forged U.S. birth certificate, that would mean that Obama himself is an undocumented immigrant. Because yeah. if you have forged papers, you're not documented. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. We were talking with Mugambi Jouet, who is a uh, – uh, he teaches at the Stanford Law School, professor there. Your comments at 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. What I guess in many cases is disappointing here – uh, Mugambi is the fact that we have all of this, this strife, this tension, this division going on right now, and it doesn't feel like there is a path that you can see clearly where we can eliminate uh, e even a decent amount of it at this point. One of the main obstacles to bridging polarization is not only that there's a major divide uh, among Americans about uh, their values, but also there's a major factual divide about a lot of these issues. If, for example, people believe that climate change is a hoax or a myth, it's not possible to genuinely discuss solutions to the problem. If people widely believe that undocumented immigrants are massively flowing into the country, that they are responsible for... Uh, uh, illegal voting uh, in, in the millions, uh, which is completely false, uh, there can be uh, a more rational uh, discussion about uh, issues uh, like uh, immigration. And unless uh, there's uh, more of a common nucleus of facts over which to debate, it's going to be very difficult to bridge uh, the divide. And we see that's also a big factor in the current debate over health care reform, uh, given uh, the magnitude of uh, falsehoods about uh, 
the uh, oppression of Obamacare and shaping uh, ideas about the need for eviscerating uh, 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 the legislation entirely. Is is gender also one of the issues that that it, it is one of the issues that you look at in, in this book? But how much of a role does it play here in the United States right now? There's a debate uh, among experts about uh, the influence of uh, cultural issues like uh, abortion, contraception, and gay rights uh, over uh, U.S. polarization. But uh, at the very least, uh, these types of issues are far more polarizing in the U.S. than in other Western uh, nations. Uh, Leaving aside, uh, say, Ireland and Poland, Abortion tends to be widely accepted by both uh, liberals and conservatives in other Western nations. Uh, So is uh, contraception. And these types of issues uh, are, again, part of the cocktail uh, that uh, intensify uh, polarization uh, for many citizens in the U.S. So is there a degree that that part of this is to be expected because of of what the United States is and what it has been in terms of, you know, the old term of America being the great melting pot. I mean, so many different societies and and people from those different societies coming here to the United States. And, you know, a lot of people say that's what makes America great. Uh, but to a degree, it, it probably also is part of the reason why we have some of the tension. It's true that America is a land of extraordinary diversity in every sense of the word not just uh, racially or ethnically, but also diversity of uh, religious beliefs, including uh, within uh, the Christian religion, with uh, a multitude of different denominations. America is also a continent-sized country with many different regions and uh, different cultures uh, to an extent within uh, these regions. But at the same time, uh, there's no fatality, because if we look at U.S. history, uh, there were periods when there was much less polarization over many of uh, these issues. Uh, For example, uh, Richard Nixon uh, and the Heritage Foundation had proposed uh, some of the uh, policy models that ultimately became uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, also known as uh, Obamacare. And that's because uh, in their time, uh, in the 70s or so, um, there was uh, less polarization over uh, economic issues, uh, as I mentioned. Great having you with us today. Thank you, Mugambi. All the best. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you. The book is Exceptional America, What Divides Americans from the World and from Each Other. Mugambi Jouet is uh, a professor at Stanford Law School. Uh, Excellent book. Real good insight on uh, what's going on here in our country right now. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 